Our reading today is from My Epiphany by Dennis D. Adams, from the introduction to the book titled Honest, Direct, Respectful. My Epiphany came during our weekly staff meeting. After having to sit through my boss's slideshow from a summer vacation, we had gathered for business and ended up enduring two hours of family photos. As soon as the slides were over and the lights went back on, Bob, my boss, turned to us and said, well, how do you like it? Wow, I exclaimed, it was really nice. My friend Carl, who was sitting across from me, was a little more honest. We could have gone there and back in the time it took you to show those slides, he said. <laughs> Bob was offended and walked out of the room. Carl looked over at me and said, you know, you're a kiss up. Well, I replied, you're rude. I went back to my office and for the first time really questioned my communication style. Be filled and go. Back in Louisiana, there was a church with a minister who delivered some pretty lengthy sermons. Actually, there are probably many of them in Louisiana. But one of them had a parishioner who fell asleep during services, and this bothered the minister. It troubled him greatly. One week, he called in an usher, handed him a yardstick, and told him to tap the man on the head when he fell asleep. The next Sunday, when the man's head slumped, the deacon tapped him on the head with the yardstick. The offender awoke, sat groggily for a bit, and quickly fell back to sleep. The deacon tapped him again, not as softly as the first time. Again, the man awoke, but soon slipped back to sleep. This time, the deacon hit the man so hard he knocked him right out of his chair. And after the man awoke and got his bearings and realizing he, he was not on the floor, amazingly, he was not very angry. He looked at the usher and said, could you hit me again? I can still hear him preaching. I chose this story because I visualized this long-winded minister as expounding on a creed, a catechism, a theology, or a biblical text. Generally not the focus of services here at North Lake. Your lessons for life are prepared as tools for life. It is my hope, and I believe it to be yours too, that you find something useful, a tool for life, in a reading, a poem, or the message. Now, one tool that yardstick-toting pastor may have needed was a better approach to communication. Knocking a parishioner on the head with a stick does not seem conducive to Sunday services. Besides, a lesson for life is more highly valued than a worn-out old approach to church doctrine, at least among Unitarian Universalists. Northlake has been working on a tool to improve its communication skills during the last few months. 
Margaret Rogers, your lifespan religious educator, and Pat Tutan have led your board and church leaders in the study of a book by Dennis D. Adams, Honest, Direct, Respectful. Today, when our theme is sanctuary and our focus is on how sanctuary affects us relationally, it seems appropriate to introduce this tool to you. A few minutes ago, Chris read a piece about Dennis D. Adams' epiphany. Adams, in his introduction, follows that piece with these words. How about you? Have you ever questioned your communication style? Once I started paying attention to mine, I wondered, usually after I made a mess of things, why did I say that? Or, there I go again. I said the wrong thing at the wrong time, again. Or, will I ever be able to talk to that person without blowing up? I know I have had this happen. I've asked myself, why did I say that? I can usually think of the right answer on the way home. As for Adams, he added, somehow, what I said was not what I wanted or intended. At other times, I didn't say anything at all. I just walked away saying, I wished I'd said or I should have said. Obviously, none of us are born with perfect communication skills. While having the best intentions, I found I sometimes spoke in ways that hurt people. At times, I even found myself withholding the truth as a means of trying not to hurt people. As for me, I've noted there are times when I may be heard to speak with the voice of great authority. Oh, there are times when an authoritative ministerial voice is needed but not all the time. I feel badly when I hear myself sounding overly authoritative. It is my hope and desire to move. It is my intention to move from having good intentions toward finding a tool that will improve my ability to communicate with others on a consistent and effective basis. The tool offered by Adams is to make the tongue say what it intends to say. He writes, I just didn't get it. I didn't realize I could learn to speak the truth honestly, directly, and respectfully, saying exactly what I meant, and to live at peace with myself and those in my life, my spouse, children, neighbors, co-workers, my employer. I even learned to speak effectively with those who I wished weren't in my life. Honest, direct, respectful is a small book filled with instruction for improving communication skills. Its print size makes it easy to read. These are its last two pages, 100 
and 101. It is not a large book. In it, Adams begins with a description of two natural styles that people have for dealing with difficult people or situations. People are generally either passive or reactive. The book has a test that shows the way you are likely to react in a stressful conversation. If your reaction, and react is used two ways there, sorry about that, but if your reaction is passive, you will hold a dialogue in your head about what happens next. And if there are 100 people who like you who, and one who doesn't, you will focus on the one who doesn't. If you are passive, you avoid conflict at all cost. You feel you have to ask everyone else if they think you are passive or reactive. <laughs> People will accuse you of being manipulative or tell you to say what you really want to say. You decide, I can't change the outcome, so it's not worth it. And so the outcome determines how you'll handle the problem. In addition, passive people usually don't know what they want or need. Even when they do know what they want, they are often afraid to say it. Finally, passive people don't talk to people. They talk about people. Now, since 80% of people are passive. That might include some of you here, huh? You can imagine the difficulty that is created when people talk about people rather than talk to them, hold dialogues in their head about what will happen next, and refuse to say what they really want to say with the hope of avoiding conflict at all cost. Yet, there may be also be some reactive people, about 20% of us in, these, in this room. These are the people who are more concerned with winning or being in the power position. When reactive people have a bad day, they want everyone to know about it. Sadly, reactive people have trouble with communicating in almost all aspects of their life. If you're reactive, you're not aware of the effect you have on others. Reactive people feel others don't understand them. Reactive people don't trust, which makes sense because 80% of the people, the percentage of passives, aren't telling them the truth. Many reactive people gravitate toward passive people. They tend to have an entourage of them. Now, we do not have the time to examine these more fully, but you can read the book. It appears, though, that reactive people are no more helpful to right-relatedness than those who are passive. What kind of an organization could survive if it were filled with winners who have trouble talking with others and do not trust those around them? It'd be awfully confusing. To make matters worse, though, Adams also identifies a group of people who are ticked off passives. 
These people have been passive so long, they've reached their limit. A ticked off passive was passive for many years when younger. You feel horrible after you react or know something is not right. You don't like being reactive, but you don't want to go back to being a doormat either. You have little respect for passive people. You start losing friends. People start saying things like, you've changed. You feel frustrated and angry most of the time. You appear to be a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Now, all of this is related to communication styles. But there's more than just one's style what it, that is important. The style is just a preliminary stage, a self-examination, if you will. Now, John Smelser, a poet, novelist, and professor, advises his students to be fearless when it comes to self-examination. I think Adams would agree with Smelser. He asks those who recognize themselves to be passive to become more reactive, and those who are reactive to become more passive. In other words, to meet at the middle, and he describes it at the middle. He takes this approach of looking at the title of this book. He pulls it apart. Being honest, he wrote, has to be a measured response, one that will be understood in the context of the situation. Being direct means you tell the truth in simple and straightforward terms. Being respectful means telling the truth without blaming, explaining something in an objective way, reporting, not reacting. That leads Adams to a, an approach he refers to as a focus message, the crux of the honest direct, respectful approach. This also involves three steps. Identify the person's behavior. Identify your feelings about the behavior. Don't use the word like. Say, I feel. And identify what you want, wish, or wonder. Then stop. Don't say anything more. I believe this means that when somebody confronts me in a way that troubles me, I begin by saying, when you said, the next step is to identify the feeling. As an example, I felt sad, discouraged, and hurt and we're already through two steps. When you said I was lazy, for example, I felt sad, discouraged, and hurt. But the third step is the critical step, identifying what I want, wish, or wonder that would make me feel better. 
This might go like, I want to be treated better than this. Or, I wish you would think of my needs too. Or, I wonder if you thought about my feelings before you said that. Does that make sense to you? It's very direct. And I think it's something that is, as I have found, easy to put into effect if we practice. And one of the things that I have tried to do is put this into practice, but I often forget. And so I suggest that we do a little call and response here for a minute. And uh, I just ask that you begin this very gently here today by repeating after me. I'll say a line and you can repeat it together. When you said, I felt that, and I wonder if, when you said, I felt that, and what I want is, when you said, I felt that, and what I wish. That is how easy this is. Putting this approach, when you said I felt that and I wish that, into practice moves people away from the fringes and back toward the middle. Now Northlake has ordered several copies of Honest, Direct, Respectful. All of those copies are out now, but if those who have them can return them, we'll have copies for you. Uh, please read it and return it after you've read it. Adams concludes the book with a story about one of the many places he has helped change a corporate culture through the use of HDR. In one of those places, the people did not talk to each other. They talked about each other. As he notes, sitting around in a room and talking about people you don't like will never make you feel better. I've observed that. It will only make you feel worse. I've also observed that. And it won't solve the problem. He began to ask people to switch to talking to people. And they did. And things improved. And the surprise that followed was that the corporation began to use the honest, direct, and respectful approach to each employee's annual review. And the employees were grateful for that transition. Now, we have used the term beloved community with respect to this church home. And beloved community is thoroughly appropriate. It is there as an intention. But one potential difficulty that might disrupt belovedness is an inability to smooth out the feathers before they become ruffled. An HDR approach should help to fortify the ribs of your congregational umbrella, providing you here and those around you with a greater sense of the love you wish to extend toward all. And this is, I believe, what sanctuary is for, to provide the rest that is needed 
the honest to goodness rest, my friends, so you can go out strengthened and emboldened to face another day, another week, the rest of your life anchored in the spirit of love. May the love in your heart find love in the hearts of those around you. Namaste. We'll build a land where we bind up the broken. We'll build a land where the captives go free, where the oil of gladness dissolves all mourning. Oh.